Hello, I'm Dr. Annaline Weston, dental legal consultant at Dental Protection based in Brisbane. Welcome to Risk Bites, a series of podcasts produced exclusively for members of Dental Protection. Risk Bites looks at the key dental legal risks and issues affecting dental practitioners across Australia and provides helpful advice and guidance on how to steer clear of them, leaving you free to provide safe and high quality dental care for your patients. In this edition, my colleague, Dr. Simon Parsons, a fellow dental legal consultant, is going to talk with us about practical data protection and provide us with some information and helpful tips surrounding this. So Simon, welcome. It's said that we leave a huge digital fingerprint wherever we go. What does this mean to us in our professional lives right now? Well, Annalene, I feel it's true that almost every interaction we have with another individual or another organisation involves some form of technology these days. When we go out to buy our groceries or call a contact centre or even do some research on what our next mobile phone should be to buy, we rely heavily on digital technology. And this is impacting the dental space quite profoundly too. Patients read reviews about us before making their first ever booking at our practice. Some actually make that booking online. They may complete a new patient questionnaire on an iPad in our waiting room. Some may have their teeth scanned after they arrive as part of the overall record. Others will need a cone beam CT or at least some digital bite wing images taken. Almost all of us will create records using practice management software. And many of us will also use barcode scanners for infection control tracking. 10 years ago, you wouldn't have yet considered using an iPhone to take some intraoral images, yet some clinicians do this now almost on a daily basis. I could go on but I think my point is clear. Yeah, thanks, Simon. I'd never considered it from that point of view. So you've said that for many of us, the world of dentistry has changed radically from even 10 years ago. So what impact do you think this has had on our need to protect our data? Well, if you reflect on all these electronic interactions our patients have with us these days, including the SMS confirmations we send and the FPOS and HICAPS payments they'd make, It's quite possible that 10 or more different data sets are created for each patient appointment. That ends up being a lot of data, often held on different devices. Many of those devices are portable, freely accessed by patients as well as staff. They might be easily stolen and are subject to the ever occasional dummy spit or crash. Now, since most of that information is personal and carries identifiers linking it to a specific individual, it is protected in various ways under state and federal privacy legislation, usually as what is called sensitive information. Now, this sensitive information must be handled in such a way that it is not disclosed to unauthorised parties without a patient's consent, yet still needs to be able to be accessed to support the effective health care of that individual. We have very strong obligations to protect the integrity of the data we create during our care of our patients as a result. If we fail to do so, we may well breach our obligations as healthcare providers, as well as compromise the safe and effective care of our patients. Part of the challenge facing each of us now is collecting and storing all that data as it is created, while ensuring that we don't fail to save any critical information or inadvertently delete something really important or even worse, fail to read it and use it effectively. Yeah, that's a real risk, isn't it, in practice? So, Simon, I'm going to ask you then, have you ever experienced a critical data incident yourself? And if so, would you be happy to share what you learned from it? 
Oh, sure, Annie, I'd love to. I'm actually really pleased that you asked me about it because many years ago, the organisation where I worked had become really early adopters of digital technology and clinical practice and had implemented some new practice management software a while earlier. And they were very careful to back up the data to a remote location away from each of the practices as part of their disaster recovery strategy. They even kept UPS systems as uninterruptible power supplies on each site so that should the power actually go down, we could then have access to our database and cancel any patients that might be affected. And that was all fine until one day the system crashed and we went to restore the database from the most recent backup. And unfortunately, what we found was that most of that data had somehow become corrupted. It showed up as gigabytes on a drive and looked okay superficially, but those gigabytes were actually useless. We lost around three weeks of patient data, and it meant changes to our procedures for many months to come as we sought to restore that lost information about the care that we'd done in that period. I learned an important lesson that day, that you need to check your data. And for the same reason, I always tell clinicians attending our dental records workshops that their staff need to check every single scan of every document they make before they shred the paper document. You simply can't assume something to be right. You actually need to regularly check it. Now, that's great advice, Simon, and certainly something I think that we've all seen where scans haven't been checked and the original document's been shredded. So what practical steps do we need to take to protect critical data? The first task is to identify all the sources of that data in the practice, and that will include things such as in and outbound emails to suppliers and patients, the financial transaction records, confirmation messages, the TLC calls that can be made, intraoral scans, digital radiography, infection control cycle records, and then the the list just keeps on going. And once all of these are identified, we can then consider the risks of a data breach or loss on each device and put into place measures to protect unauthorised access to that data. Also, unauthorised deletion of that data, which can be very dangerous, and even the loss of the device itself, if that's possible. This will inevitably involve ensuring all data is backed up preferably to an external location and preferably on a daily basis to minimise the impact of a data loss. No one wants to lose a whole week's worth of treatment data, nor the many new appointment booking changes that may have arisen throughout that week. In practical terms, this will also mean having passwords on all our major devices, with those devices being locked at lunch times and when unattended for any extended interval. Those passwords will need to be more than just a couple of digits so that they are harder to hack and will need to also be changed regularly. You'll need to have malware and ransomware protection that's automatically updated on a daily basis to help avoid cyber attacks on your database. Your local devices will also need to be securely shut down overnight or otherwise protected to reduce the risk of unauthorised access while the practice is closed. And ideally, all devices will automatically encrypt any data stored on them to reduce the risk of a breach if they were to be stolen. Now, of course, none of this will work unless our staff are trained in these protocols and actually then observe them. One of the commonest concerns our members seem to raise with us at Dental Protection is that many of these are totally outside their control. 
and they often have no real visibility of the backup protocols or staff training procedures that are conducted in the practices where they work. That still leaves them at risk of being the victim of a data loss in the future. And as clinicians, we are actually responsible for the data we collect. And so we need that assurance that whatever data we do produce is stored correctly. And unfortunately, that may mean at times that we will have some difficult conversations with practice owners to try to establish whether the data we're producing is kept safely. The goal as I see it then is so that ultimately I'd want to know that if a bushfire went through my suburb and destroyed the practice where I work, could I rebuild it and carry on as before? If I lost absolutely everything, I don't think I'd know where to start. But with a safely stored practice data source, I could work out of a mobile van, for instance, while rebuilding my practice if I wanted to. Some of our listeners might be thinking, but I don't really do any of these right now. So where would you recommend they start and which ones are the most practical in everyday terms? I'd start with implementing a decent password system at the practice if I really had uh, to start somewhere. And that's because it costs nothing and can be really quick to implement. If you have fingerprint ID functionality on some of your devices, then that makes it even easier and can be very convenient for your staff to use those devices without having to remember complex passwords. I then write a checklist as part of my end of day procedures to remind me that such items as the digital photos that I may have taken that day need to be uploaded and the backups need to be turned on and activated as part of the routines for finishing up for the day. We all know that pilots use checklists in aviation and we need them too because after a busy day in the surgery we may otherwise forget to do the occasional critical task. And then I'd progress to quickly implementing a robust backup regimen. And a really practical way of doing this is to have a portable hard drive, particularly one that is a, has flash memory on it, while you're still investigating more robust options such as cloud storage. And that way you'd get a backup underway while getting a more durable offsite backup created in the future. I'd then progress to quickly implementing a robust backup regimen. I think I'd back up my data to a portable hard drive in the first instance while investigating more robust options such as cloud storage, but that would at least give me some backup protection in the meantime. And I'd take that backup drive with me on my way home. I'd also ensure I would check that, that the actual backup is periodically working and that its integrity is intact. Thanks, Simon. Now, you mentioned the cloud and you know that as a non-IT person, it's a concept that for somebody like me is quite difficult to grasp. So do you think that we should be worried about storing our data in the cloud? Well, certainly no solution is entirely foolproof, but the cloud is probably the most convenient means of storing a backup and has the added advantages of being encrypted uh, while the information is stored, as well as being able to be accessed remotely from a variety of different locations if need be. Provided the cloud storage option was located in a reputable country and satisfied our local privacy regulations, I wouldn't be too concerned about it. I'd be a lot more concerned about not having a backup at all. 
Thanks, Simon, for explaining that. That content's incredibly relevant to all dental practices across Australia. And thank you all for listening. We do hope this podcast was helpful to you and we look forward to speaking with you again in the future. Goodbye.